and welcome to Gameplay Radio here on Radio Free Brooklyn, a storytelling game radio show featuring guests from the New York City Hive and beyond with theme music by Jasula. Find out more about her work at jasula.com. And today I have a lovely guest with me today named Brian Yaksha. Say hi, Brian. Uh, hello. Hi. Uh, thanks so much for being here today. Well, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, Brian is a any nominated game designer uh, and generally cool person um, and they do a lot in the tabletop role-playing and storytelling space why don't you describe a little bit of that with your own words all right so uh, I work specifically in the development of tools for iterative narrative procedural design mm. which is a very specific sub niche which I think I have coined the term for which is to say, nobody else has named this, so I will claim that clout. Uh, this is writing tables, generator strings, and other random elements with the point and purpose of getting a united authorial voice so as to make sure the end product feels as though it was intentionally designed, even though it's just a hodgepodge of a bunch of different elements. Wow, so you're really kind of like the organizer. You tie all of the ends for tabletop games that you work in. Uh, yeah, that's it's it's the one area I found that I am always disappointed in when I see somebody else make. And I realize that sounds like throwing shade, and <laughs> I, it is not intentionally throwing shade. <laughs> but if if someone gives me a list of like twenty things that a character is about, and it's just like you got a big nose or burps a lot. It's like, that's nothing. Those are not character traits. Those are, that's free association nonsense. Give me, give me something that I can, I can plumb some depth from. Mm. And uh, as a result, I make overly complicated tables and very cumbersome mechanics, which get into the potential unique outcomes in the billions, which uh, wow. just, yeah, my my graduate thesis became so large and cumbersome that I, I had to do an old yell or to it because it was just a oh, horrific no. abomination in the end. But it was like <laughs> it, it created some some beautiful things, but it could have sprung to life at any moment and become like a malignant a artificial monster, intelligence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ready to tell any story and destroy your entire lives, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah, if you're gonna emulate a uh, specific authorial voice, the 18th century is not the kindest time to be doing that from. <laughs> uh, so, why uh, tabletop role-playing games? Like, why did you get into like this? Is a very specific uh, thing that you've set out to do, even in TTRPGs, where you put things together and uh, kind of expand people's horizons for making them. What what brought you to this space? Well, uh, I I've been playing tabletop games since I was 10 and I just turned 30. So I've been, I've been sadly doing this for about 20 years and, uh, <laughs> sadly, well, I've, I've tried for the longest time to just like break into like video game writing. Cause it pays better mm. allegedly, but I always get pigeonholed into writing like the bad guys. And it gets to the point where it's just like, I don't really appreciate that this is my niche or, that uh, they're never good games. So, oh. yeah. So I've just, it, it's also not like what I like to write because everyone just, like I've, I've worked in 
comics. I've worked in games. I've worked in a lot of different fields. And yeah. uh, I have such an appreciation for like the beautiful, fantastic, mundane details. So like, I don't want to have to be writing fascist stand in bad guy number 67 who's going to say the same thing but a little bit different when i could be describing like the details on the cups and spoons you're stealing from some old man's cupboard that <laughs> that feels so much more important to me because uh you know if you're just looting somebody's house and like a game or something it's like oh you find some tin cups it's like oh that's worth beer money but if it's like <laughs> you know, clearly something that has some work put into it. It's just like, oh, I'm hurting a person. I'm hurting a fellow human being for beer money. Mm. Mm. So I, ideally you'd like to be that person who writes like the random like letters or diary entries that you find in like the abandoned houses that you're like exploring. Like while you're oh, in yeah, I, I, larger actually, worlds. Yeah, I actually, uh, I have not released it, but I've, I, I put together a, uh, a generator machine for letters that you're receiving from people. No way. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this just because I, back in the mid 2000, like the mid 2010s, I played uh, Legend of the Five Rings fourth edition for like years on end as a, both a GM and very rarely a player. Mm. And uh, I think that's what I, I really realized like, oh, hey, I, I do have an English degree and apparently I'm, I'm better at this than my fellow players because I can write out all of the actual correspondence my character is sending to people in like five minutes. Wow. Yeah. So you made a, like a computerized generator to write those letters. Uh, yes. I, I recently did that and I had to write every single sentence and string of that myself. How long did that take you? About like three days. Three days, three days of work yeah. to make that. Wow. I mean, three days of, of, I mean, a lot of work, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not like, so I am not a programmer by any means, which I think is probably one of the most notable reasons I haven't been able to break into video game design. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it's just like basic HTML randomization line by line. So it's just a matter of keeping everything kind of of a type. Yeah. And with a voice that, you know, I guess it probably the best way to describe it is if you read enough letters, if you read enough books, how people speak in books, like first person sources, you do come to pick up like just sort of the general cadence that people use in correspondence or well, I was talking about this in a thread a couple days ago when it comes to describing a person in fiction, you're generally going to get two artistic or poetically described portions of the face, then two raw details of the face, and that's it for the face. And thus somebody needs to clarify something. So, you know, it could be like eyes and nose, eyes and jaw, mouth, hair, but two of those are going to be described poetically. And then it's going to be like, you know, like, a, like a, a nose, like an old potato and just, you know, jaundice, blue eyes and, you know, Mm. blonde hair kind of a weak jaw but you know that's that's different you could invert that and it's like you notice these patterns and then it becomes a matter of tailoring something to generate these patterns in a way that feels organic hmm. interesting to me at the very yeah, least i mean i'm i know it's interesting partially because it sounds you make it sound like so 
incredibly natural. And I guess it feels like I tell stories on this on gameplay radio like every week. And I mean, I do get used to creating new characters often at the seat of my pants. Uh, so I guess I do some of that too, but that deliberate, like thoughtful kind yeah. of dedicated creating of something to sound a specific way is a really, I mean, it's, it's impressive, you know, I, I guess. Oh, thanks. It's it, uh, <laughs> incredibly cumbersome, but it's, yeah. I use those degrees for something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So like what, I mean, so what is your general process for games? Is it just thinking about what you want it to sound like and then making it into that? Like you just think it and then you do it? <laughs> uh, no, I, I have a very overly meticulous planning process for everything I do, which mm. I would say, and I guess I, I, I will say it specifically because I've said it a bunch of times in the past and I want to sound like a hypocrite, but uh, when it comes to planning out making something new, I generally first see what's already there and uh, mm. then my immediate process is why aren't these things working for me? And then it's like, how can I make this thing better for what it is I want to do? And a lot of the times it comes down to, I generally build things for the purposes of being support structures. I can't get anyone to do what it is I want them to do with something I make. And honestly, I wouldn't want to be like, you can only use this with that. Like mm. I, I, my zine Raquel, I, it is not designed for use with any of the general setting assumptions of fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons, but I'm not going to tell somebody, don't you dare. I'm going to say, well, I, I can't make this necessarily work for that, but I'll give you as much as I can so you can make this work for that as best as you can. So I, I look at uh, what tools, what steps are missing to make this a more complete product for what I would want to prep with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I go real deep into like the research and I specifically always try to play towards theme rather than hard fact because theme is just so much more important. I would argue something missing from more products like hmm. I'll bring it up because I know at least one of the people who I often talk about this will, will listen to this. And that is uh, when people talk about, oh, we're making something that's like, it's very Ghibli. And it's just like, what does that mean to you? Because <laughs> you're, you're describing like pastoral, because I, I guess I can see that, but uh, kind of covers a lot of different genres in those movies. And it's really more you're describing an aesthetic. But are we talking about sort of like the childlike nostalgia and the loss of innocence as a theme because if so most products don't support that but that's because i think they don't try and well if it like this if you make a product and that's the the through line it's gonna be a, a real downer to write yeah i did a setting toolbox for a uh, best left buried called spoils of the gorgon coast and that was uh I just say I, I never want to have to do that much much research into like theocracy backed eugenics oh, again, God. <laughs> and that's specifically to just play like this is a terrible regime that has done terrible things and has failed, but they're sort of on the ascent again because they've got enough desperate people willing to buy into their BS to try and do something terrible. 
under the belief that essentially, well, might didn't make right in the past, but maybe you could be the mighty one this time. Meanwhile, they're bribing and killing anyone who might actually threaten that hegemony. And it's just, it's wow. a dark fantasy setting. So yeah. it's not, yeah, so it's not happy. But like in writing that with that through line, a lot of the means to not sink further into depression was uh, writing about, you know, the people who are just sort of living their lives and whose lives will be upset by you, the player, being a mercenary in this region. Mm. And uh, I did run a small campaign with that very effectively with uh, my usual gaming group. And uh, I think it was like four sessions in, they just realized, oh, we're the bad guys. We, <laughs> we are unabashedly the bad people. And they're like, yeah, what are we going to do? Let's rob the Vatican. And so they did. It's just like, we're the bad guys. We don't, we don't need to pretend we're going to be good. So let's, let's go do something evil, but not as harmful to the, the general populace. <laughs> yeah, that is an interesting part of uh, role-playing, the idea that you can just go through and really take on, like, explore, like, moralities that you wouldn't ever really explore, like, as, like, an actual human being. But that's that's definitely what these games can be for so long as it's done safely and no one is actually in person harmed by stuff oh yeah i suppose uh, yeah i mean yeah. Uh, i got a very nice review on my uh, ray Kelzine by someone who uh, pointed out just the most evil people described in that zine are either the kingdom that you've been exiled from or the foreign nation that is also coming to this borderlands region that nobody wants for any reason other than pride so like <laughs> Yeah, you, you might be fighting, like, brigands and stuff, but these brigands are literally you two days from now when you're starving, or they're people who were in a similar situation, or they're people who have suffered at the hands of these nation-states, or, like, you know, they're former, like, penal laborers who escaped, and mm. this is the desperation they're in, and you're just another person doing something harmful. That's been really interesting. What do you what do you tend to lean towards when you want to play games? Like what is, what is your what is your variety of play? Oh, that that would require me to have actually been able to properly play games in the last decade. Uh, <laughs> I let's see. The last time I got to actually play in a campaign proper was probably in 2014. Wow. So so it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, like uh, I'm really trying to remember the last time I got to play after that for like more than a session oh. and uh, it's not coming to mind <laughs> I blame my my roommate and frequent artistic uh, asset Peter Violini who's in the room next door to me who has run a bunch of games but refuses to let me play because he's like well I'm gonna run a conspiracy and you're gonna you're gonna figure that out and it's just like yeah probably but just let like you a, i'm not gonna spoil it yeah like come on he should let you figure it out like that's part of the fun i don't know I like he, if he you... wants to be more clever than than me i guess that's fine <laughs> so uh, what i'm hearing is that you are you fall into the forever dm variety of player <sighs> not by choice but yeah not by choice by necessity i do feel that sometimes where it's like i want to play games but i'm the one who knows the most about playing the games and the rules though i always end up being the one like dming the games um because i just yeah do it yeah 
Yeah, that that's pretty much the case. <laughs> I mean, it's also the issue of like scheduling too. Yeah. Just, you know, as as proper adults now, not in the early college years, adults, not a young adult. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's me and Pete, and then a couple of people in California. So we got that nice three-hour gap that we have to schedule around. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, or someone, you know, just kind of like sacrifices around three hours, who knows. But I'm I'm sure you'll figure it out. But I'm glad that we can, at the very least, get you a, a little bit of gaming, a little bit of gameplay here <laughs> on oh, Gameplay nice. Radio. No, it, won't, it won't be a full hour, it won't be a full session, but it'll be a little <laughs> bit, so. <laughs> well, I, I am starved, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it'll be good. And you uh, were the one who uh, requested the game that we're going to be playing today, Troika. What is your connection to Troika? Uh, well, I did a Kickstarter for a toolkit, because me, uh, for them a couple months ago called Academies of the Arcane, which should be coming out sometime next month. Nobody quote me on that, at least in PDF. Uh, and that's just me making the most folding, complex, yeah. cumbersome tables to make uh, magical school stuff with the specific important through line that wizards are terrible people. <laughs> wizards are terrible people they're all about getting as much power as possible and messing with other people who are trying to get as much power as possible and once you reach the, that certain height of power you're either stuck in academia for the rest of your life or you're going to go off and try and become a galactic dictator because what else do you do when you've reached some sort of apotheotic power and you're sure. you know, a completely egotistical maniacal monster so that's... It's like it's like if um, PhD researchers ultimately just became wizards. That's kind of what I'm hearing. Uh, yeah, I, I did not realize this until somebody had asked me to talk more about the themes. It's like, oh, this is me just finally venting about my time in law school. Uh-huh. Of just, uh, what law school did to me of just you go in there and you have some people just be like well yeah sure the lay people would be able to defend themselves but if we didn't talk about everything in legalese we would not be able to justify our profession it's just like oh that's an incredibly evil thing for you to just admit but i am sixty thousand dollars in debt now so okay yeah might as we well uh, put that knowledge in a in a game that other people can explore too exactly <laughs> might as well yeah. if you you write what you know sometimes right um, yeah <laughs> amazing well uh we won't i don't think we're going to be getting into that branch but uh we are going to be playing troika today uh but before we get into that and i think we should um a couple of things i need to let our listeners know about ready for brooklyn and things happening at ready for brooklyn so let's just do that real quick Radio Free Brooklyn is sponsored in part by PharmaGear, offering little or no cost medical braces. More information is available at 844-598-6639. Also, Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to a community and promote media literacy, education, free expression, and public art. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. As it has been for so many, the continuing pandemic year has been difficult for us financially, and every dollar helps us stay on air and allows us to continue our work in the community. Please help by pledging whatever you can. 
Ready for Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all contributions are tax deductible. Please support with a monthly pledge or one-time donation at readyforbrooklyn.org slash donate. Okay, that's about all. Let's get into a little bit of Troika. Um, for people who don't know what Troika is, it's a game that was written by Daniel Sell uh, and a lot of other people, editing and development by Jarrett Crater, uh, layout and development by Christian Kessler, additional development by Daniel Martin, additional editing by Brian Yaksha, hey, uh, and so on and so forth. You get the idea. Um, it's basically a play system that involves mostly six-sided dice um, in a number of different varieties. It's fairly similar to Dungeons and Dragons, except the mechanics are, well, fairly similar in that it has a lot of rules. Brian just made a face at me like, how dare you say that? Um, <laughs> which is totally fair. It has like rule sets um, that are based around six-sided dice and you roll against uh, people you're rolling against or, def- or your own stats in order to succeed or fail at the things that you were trying to do. Um, and you kind of tell stories along that vein. Is there anything you want to add to that description? <laughs> well, I guess one, I did not know that the uh, third revised printing was out where I'm an editor on that yet. So, yeah. yay. Uh, you got, the, you got those credits. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it's uh, sort of a derived from uh, classic fighting fantasy as a book series slash game. Very, very simple to pick up. I'd say probably the most cumbersome part of it is you have skill and then you have advanced skills and that's just poor naming choices. <laughs> it's it's poor naming choices because it's clinging too much to the tradition of fighting fantasy, but that does not excuse that. That's fair. The like your main your main uh, stats are your skill and your stamina and your initiative. If we get into battle scenarios, so in that case, there are definitely fewer numbers than Dungeons and Dragons. So that is the case. But we're going to be getting into one of Troika's play sets called the Blanc Mange and Thistle. That is described as an extravagant hotel cast in gold and chrome. Um, chandeliers, ironwork, thick, colorful, mismatched carpets, paintings of every style, taste, and era, guests in nooks buried in deep chairs, seemingly built for them, mandrels everywhere, and the smell of brass polish and artificial cherry in the air. Um, so a really uh, fancy hotel that we have here. Um, settled in the city of kind of Troika during a uh, big festival that might be happening at the time. Uh, And in steps Brian's character. Brian, would you like to describe your character for our listeners and for me? Uh, Yeah, sure. Give me one second to randomly determine which background I'm going with. (laughs) Go for it. That's that's the fun of this. Let's see. I rolled a two and a four. So I am playing as a rhino man. The original rhino men were created by an insane sorcerer several centuries ago, but they rebelled and killed him. They are fairly rare creatures, serving as formidable and loyal guards to those who could afford their service. I have a rhinoceros horn, a thick, thick skin, an undersized spear, a tiny but useless helmet, some knuckle dice, and a half full firkin of rhinoceros beer. So I am... I'm literally a rhinoceros that has a, a like a tiny little spear and a just a person-sized helmet that I'm wearing on the back of my head like it's a little fez hat. 
Because I'm <laughs> because I am too large. Amazing. Uh, do you have a name for your character? You know what? Give me one sec, because I just finished writing 10 billion different names for Academies of the Arcane, so I have a bunch of silly names I can pick from. Love it. Uh, let's see. I got a 6 and a 1. Okay. Yes, my my rhino man's name is Grum Grendel. Grum Grendel. Yes, all, all one word. Okay, Grum Grendel. It's Grum Grendel the Rhino. Um, okay, we've got Grum Grendel the Rhino entering into the Blancmange and Thistle, and you step into this uh, gorgeous, extravagant hotel. And uh, a concierge quickly uh, approaches you. Um, this is a uh, cat person um, with a like a black tail curled demurely uh, at their side, um, and little pointy ears. And uh, they're wearing this thick-looking velvet red suit um, with like golden tassels, and um, they kind of nod to you and say ah oh, welcome to the Blancmange and Thistle are you here to for for a stay are you here to celebrate in our annual feast of Chiliarch uh, that's happening on the roof at, um, today look at this cat I'm gonna very gruffly ask why would anyone else come here um well we have a yes fantastic spa um, on one of our upper levels and uh, we have been told that people come here for um, relaxation when it's not um, a, a day of uh, celebration of course it's been um, quite busy today uh, so uh, so are you not at this cat <laughs> Um, so I guess um, if you are here to um, celebrate you should make your way up to the top floor uh, how, however you you wish to uh, do so um, um, in order to um, attend um, I do recommend that you um, book a room because you might want to uh, rest up later um, would you be amenable to the situation I'm going to hand this cat my luggage because I assume I have luggage uh -oh. if I'm at a hotel sure <laughs> uh, uh, yes um, cat struggles a little like kind of catches it in their hands and then kind of also like kind of drops it to the ground with a funk and like fishes around like in uh their their pocket and pulls out um a small silver room key on a chain it's too small for any neck and too large for any wrist um this cat gives you the key and says um well he here's your lodgings we will of course um charge you at the end of your stay um and we will um of course take care of your luggage for you if you wish to uh approach the top floor um i highly recommend you know whichever uh way that you wish to go we have um a lovely elevator that you can attend we of course have uh, a staircase as well um whatever your proclivities are everyone has um, a different method of getting to the top floor but that's where the fun is gonna look very intently at this cat and just say now are there gonna be some hidden surcharges billing me at the end <laughs> oh well um you know we I, I don't know about hidden surcharges, but you should know that, you know, any services that we provide you while you're here will, of course, need to be paid for in some way. The cat smiles, and they show 
if like you know a couple of the, their like front teeth like kind of stick out a little bit I attempt to mirror that smile back, but it looks weird because I'm a rhinoceros. <laughs> and I say, I feel the same way. And then I walk to the elevator. <laughs> Excellent. All right. My, my character goal is to not pay for my stay at this fancy hotel. <laughs> we'll see what happens. You get to the you get to the lift. Um, you pull a a wire cord that is set in the wall, um, it, it, and it issues a, ra- a rapid series of clatters when yanked that um, are like porcelain thrown in a sink. The lift doors are chromes, um, which allow you a good look at yourself uh, before the lift arrives. Any particular thing you see as you're looking into your reflection? I'm probably wearing some. I'm literally just picturing the rhinoceros guards from the old Robin Hood Disney movie. Amazing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna straighten the knight's helmet I have sitting on like the top of my head, and I'm gonna pick at my teeth with my tiny spear. <laughs> Great. As you are uh, working away, uh, making space between your teeth, the chrome doors open. Uh, two persons covered entirely in interlocking metal plates step out in unison and head towards the exit. Uh, inside is an ironwork cage. The green carpet floor is like this thick material that as you step into it, you sink a couple of inches. Um, I think especially it's several more inches than perhaps other people because you are a rhinoceros and there is a chandelier above your head with uh phosphor bulbs uh which definitely brush against your head the walls of the lift shaft are painted with a gradient of color which at the moment is red which matches the ground floor uh in the corner there is a tiny mandrel uh in another red suit that is operating an arcane set of controls it's looks at you uh, awaiting instruction. I hold out the key that I was given and I say top top floor, party floor. Uh, Mantle nods and quickly pulls a couple of like little little levers and the lift closes and slowly begins to move with a generated hum as it as it kind of cranks itself up to the upper floors. You pass the first floor and the second floor which appear to be they are also different colors. The first floor is this kind of light blue colored walls. On the second floor, you see uh, this kind of green thing, which is which is interesting. And then um, it slows to a stop at the third floor and opens. And as the uh, lift opens, the third floor has an alcove set into the wall of the lift shaft. Um, and in the alcove is a small shop. Uh, with all manner of, of snacks and toiletries pinned to the wall, and behind the counter is the shopkeeper, which is someone who is egg-shaped, with tiny arms, barely long enough to reach the top shelves. Yeah, you cannot see uh, his legs, but assume they are equally small. Um, his mouth is alarmingly big, making... Well, his mouth is alarmingly big. <laughs> uh, and he kind of throws the mandrel a bag of rotten passion fruits, which the mandrel shovels into its mouth. Um, and the mandrel is sitting there munching away as this uh, egg man looks at you and goes, well, hey there, wouldn't you like to buy something? 
So I'm going to say that Grum Grendel was probably just humming the girl from Ipanema the whole time in the elevator. <laughs> and as soon as watches all of this unfurl, he's yeah. going to look at the mandrel who's supposed to be operating this lift, who's now eating a rotten bag of passion fruit. And he's going to say, are you union? What is this? Why, I'm just having a, a friendly chat with the with one of the fantastic guests of this establishment. I'll look at the egg man, and I'm going to say, how much are they paying you to say that? I, I, how much are they paying me? Um, I, I suppose plenty. Are you looking for a position? What are the benefits? <laughs> Is it union? Well, now, I mean, who's who's supposed to, to be asking me about this unionized work without uh, buying a little bit of a something first, huh? Elbow the mandrel a little bit too roughly, I'm going to say. You see right there, that's some bourgeoisie nonsense. We working stiffs here, me trying to go to a party and not pay for it, and you working this elevator. This guy <laughs> trying to sell us stuff leech on the system. I'm going to look back at the Eggman, pretending I did not just comment all of that out loud, and I'm going to say, do you have any complaints about your workspace, sir? <laughs> well, the the mandrel um, looks at you and then um, goes back to eating the fruit, and um, the merchant uh takes like a little bit of more fruit and feeds it to the the mandrel again um further distracting it and he goes well i mean as long as i uh get payment here you know i i have a, a comfortable place where i can go elsewhere with my egg-shaped family and children so i i have no objections to why listen are you being are you being hired like why why are you asking these things all right, I am going to lie to this person. Okay. Uh, see, I don't have any skills in lying, but <laughs> I do have I do I do have four skill. So you can so you can roll against that. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna spend a point of luck. I'm gonna test my luck. Do it. I'm gonna I'm just gonna roll two d six is what I'm gonna do. Yeah, I think I think um. Yeah, I think you gotta roll two d six against your luck stat. I'm trying to pull I, it up here in my. I just got a I got a three, so that's that's good. What is your luck stat? My luck is ten. Ah, yes. that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to say to the merchant, I am with the Troika Bureau of the Proletariat. We heard that there was some. Uh, bourgeoisie nonsense going up in here, some real decadent party stuff, breaking all the codes that we had established in the previous union. So, uh, yeah, if you got any issues with your, uh, you know, arrangement, they're giving you dental? Listen, man, can we talk like when I'm off duty? Do you feel as though it's not safe for you to talk while you're on duty? They're constantly like people coming in and out of these elevators, you know what I mean? I hear you, brother. And I'm going to just sort of lick my thumb and rub the tip of my horn as if to say, like, you too could have a good dental plan. I'm going to say, we'll talk later. You find me at that party. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I guess so. 
And then you both kind of awkwardly sit there waiting for the mandrel to finish eating. And then the mandrel like does and realizes that you're there and uh, quickly pulls the lever and you move on. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to unionize this workforce and they're going to forget so. all about needing me to pay this bill. <laughs> so good. Uh, uh, you you proceed up one more floor. Um, you see uh, it's like there. It's like orange lining on the like orange wall coloring on the floor that you pass by. Um, and then you hit uh, an- yet another floor here. And as soon as the door opens, uh, a scrawny woman in a thick leather apron starts pushing tigers into the lift. Uh, there are more in the hallway, but she says not to worry that she'll wait for the next one. Um, so three tigers uh, are squeezing into the lift, crouching or standing against the walls, trying to fit however they can. They have like collars or leashes on or anything, or are they just straight up tigers? Uh, they're, they're try. I mean, they're tigers. Um, they don't seem to have leashes on them, but they are sitting quietly at the moment. All right. I mean, I'm, I'm a rhinoceros person. I, I have nothing to fear from tigers. They are not my natural predator. So I'm going to, uh, comment to the mandrel lift operator and say, so how about that weather? The, the, the mandrel kind of uh, looks at you for a moment, half distracted because a mandrel had been like yanking on the ta- on a tail of one of the tigers, but uh, then seems to remember itself and uh, pulls the lever again. I'm going to ask the mandrel, so do you get hazard pay for things like this? <laughs> uh, the mandrel looks at you with like a, what do you think kind of a look. What's your name? Evangel taps uh, a little a little name tag on their little suit, um, and the name tag reads Bert. Well, Bort, I have to say, if I were in your tiny little hand feet shoes, I would not take this standing in an elevator. <laughs> yeah, easily worth time and a half. Bert uh, tilts tilts his head at you listening like i assume you're hourly so let's see we got like uh three tigers in here pretty sure those are a capuchin's natural predator so uh i tell you bort up in this elevator right now that's that's at least four times and a half by my reckoning and they make you work for tips don't you bort Fort looks. Uh, tr- Fort tries not to look too directly at the uh, small tip jar sitting like on a little corner with like kind of fancy wrought iron um, little things on it and like the few coins that are at the bottom of it. Yeah, getting done in by a real racket here. Don't you worry though. I got plans. Solidarity, my man. Fort ra- raises his mandrel eyebrows. And uh, kind of taps your like hand a little bit, like a that's nice. <laughs> but to to clarify, I know his name is Bert, but I am calling him Bort. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, well, Bert is like, mm-hmm. and uh, then <laughs> the lift keeps moving silently with these tigers in the elevator, and um, you. Uh, quickly 
past a couple of more floors and then and then uh, the floors finally at last open to your destination, the top floor. Um, and you, there's this rhythmic thumping coming from the roof. Uh, the feast is in full swing. Uh, Party goers hang about using substances, chatting and engaging in other festive activities. Um, as you step outside, uh, Bert indicates uh, that your room is down the hallway a little bit. Um, and you just, as you approach, you just kind of see a lot of people milling about and you see the uh, the tigers um, awkwardly get out of the elevator and sit there waiting for whoever said they were going to pick them up. <laughs> um, and uh, Bert kind of gestures for you to uh, leave and also out of habit gestures to the tip jar. I step out of the elevator and I say, let's you and me have a conversation about your rights as a worker later tonight. And I do not tip him. Because the goal <laughs> is not to pay for anything at this hotel. Right. Uh, Bert, like, nods, but also acknowledges the fact that you did not you put anything oh. in this tip jar. Oh, I don't even <laughs> look at the tip jar. I just walk out and say that. Like, sure. this is this is my role as the protagonist in some movie that only I exist in. But no, <laughs> right. it was all, all a long con to just not pay for anything. Amazing. Uh, well, uh, where would you like to go from here? You're on the you're in the top floor. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, there are people um, everywhere. Well, let's see. Uh, I gave my luggage to that cat, so I'm going to assume that's probably still in the lobby. So I'm going to go up to the party because I don't have to do anything. <laughs> right. Great. So you reach, you you approach, you're in this party. It is a um, very, it, I mean, it's a very chaotic space. There is a lot going on. You see like, um, like this intense like dance floor in the middle with people like jumping about you see um people uh eating and and stuffing their face with uh, a lot of different with um buffet foods at the time you see that there uh look to be uh people like attendees that are uh, eating traditional novelty foods and collecting fireworks to launch at other parties nearby like there are similar parties on other buildings um why don't you yeah you see like a number of different things you can do you see like an event station like a party station what is calling to you right now oh i'm, I'm gonna go to the novelty food area yeah because that seems like a good place for free food <laughs> um you you get to the free food area, or you get to the to the food novelty food area, and you see that there's a number of like different little plates that are labeled in um, a number of different ways, um, and you see and like you collect, and they're all like labeled very interestingly. Uh, you don't see any prices on anything though. Um, Is there anything there that looks vaguely like a horn? Yeah, there are these little, uh, tr like little fried treats that are like shaped, like that are horn shaped that look like they're they're like stuffed with something. Is there someone from the hotel here? I need to file a complaint 
to make sure that I'm not going to pay for my room. <laughs> uh, all right, so you're looking for, for servers in the area, and um, you see sitting, like, just nearby the, um, the Novelty Foods area what looks to be a very drunk serving person uh, wearing, again, one of the little red suits and... Um, like leaning with like their feet kind of up against the table um a uh, let's see a bear a bear a bear person um with their with their paws up against the table like kind of hair kind of almost like slicked on their head into like a bit of a mohawk thing um on the top yeah. of on the top of uh her head and um, she's leaning back there, like absolutely drunk, um, but she is a serving person. I'm going to go up to her. I'm going to say, hi, hey, I don't mean to be a bother, but are you aware that having fake novelty horn-shaped treats is actually extremely offensive? If you're going to challenge me, you need to have the horns of my lesser rivals. Basted in a boolia base. And since you haven't done that, I don't know. I mean, we're we're looking at a blood debt. Uh <laughs> I I could be wiping out whole generations of family trees because of this. This is an insult that just can't stand. You know, I don't mean to be a bother, but uh I have to say, like, do you want the whole of the Rhino Men Sorceress Liberation Force? coming down on you do you have the blonde lodge and thistle do you have a skill check you can do for lying or performance this is all you're gonna have to you're gonna have to all All right roll for that luck because you're gonna need it (laughs) six and my luck would be nine at this point so that's still a success yes yeah so you are coming in hot at this. Oh yeah, I'm come full full Rhino Karen. Yep, and <laughs> Rhino Karen. Um, and uh, this bear, she looks up to you from like with this kind of like open mouthed look on her face, like, oh, uh, and she kind of goes, uh, I'm sorry. Is there, I, so do you need to like issue a complaint or something? Because this wasn't supposed to be like about rhinos this is part of the food you know that's always the issue isn't it it's never supposed to be about rhinos i am a rhino man that hyphenation m-a-n or m-e-n in the plural is very important i'm gonna take off my helmet i'm gonna put it on my hand like a puppet i'm gonna look at it i'm gonna turn my head and the puppet helmet head at this bear and i'm saying do you know what this means uh no do mean? you know what this means? Oh, it means you're a puppet? Hand over my heart. Just... I need to speak to your manager. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, I think you do. I think you do. I don't know if you want to be talking to me. Oh, no. All right, let's... let's... <laughs> let's go call let's go find Manfred. I think we need to go I like he's yeah. I'm just here. Yeah. Uh, yeah go go get go get Manfred. Alright, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go find As Manfred. she does that, I'm gonna go start shuffing uh little prawn shrimp into my pockets. 
Great. <laughs> Great. So you're you're stealing food while uh, while uh, she goes to find Manfrey, and um, she comes back with. Uh, it turns out to be that Manfred is um, a is a um, a wolf person. I'm going with animals today. Uh, is he's a wolf person, um, very well made up, but with. Uh, with this um, kind of, but he seems like like a, like an older <laughs> wolf person. Uh, he has these kind of graying, uh, graying fur like along the tips of his ears and along his like kind of snout area. And he uh, is wearing um, a a red suit, but it looks more homemade. Like it looks like it's better fitted for him as opposed to the suits that you've seen around, which seems to just be kind of like a dime a dozen. Everyone wears the same suit. Um, in this case, he seems to have uh, had some leeway to make something that actually looked comfortable on him. Um, and he comes to you and he says, uh, hello, um, I, my esteemed, uh, colleague and he looks over uh with kind of a angry look at uh his drunk employee but he looks back and he goes yes uh, i i was told that you um had some complaints about uh the food i'm sorry to hear that could you please elaborate a little bit further for me uh well i would say as manfred comes over i have my tiny useless helmet just i'm pouring some like hot dip into it and just <laughs> Good. Clearly, I've I have completed my con, so I'm just in hubris, just stealing, stealing as much food as food. I can. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, I'm going to look at Manfred incredulously. Yeah, and I'm going to say, you aware that your employee not only offended the sacred and profane ivory upon my head, but also referred to me a rhino. As a puppet, I don't know if you're aware, but my people were once puppets to a horrible sorcerer. And we had to rebel, and we had to kill him. And it was a trampling mess. And so I come, I'm here to have a good time. And frankly, I just feel so offended by all of this. And you already lost my luggage, so I don't know. Oh, I don't uh... know, Manfred. I'm 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 very sorry to hear all of this. Um, we of course never want to um, disrespect the um, um, the patrons of our of our establishment. Could you remind me um, which room you're in? I'm going to uh, pull out the key, and as I'm sure, like a full length of pastrami is going to fall out of the inside of my uh -huh. shirt as I pull out the key. Of course he does. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the comment like. I, was told I mean, these unless were for you're slight of handing it. <laughs> oh no! It's just like I was told these were for everyone. Uh, well, they're for all of our our paying guests, uh, sir. Which I I assume that you are, uh, since you have a, a key in your hands. Um, you know what they say about assumptions. So you're not a paying customer. Why would I have a key? The rudeness! I'm making a scene now. What? How would I get to the top of this book? Why would I have a key? Why would you have lost my life? I, I would like to speak to your man. Oh, sir, I, uh, I don't think that's, um, a, I don't think that's a good idea. I think, um, listen, how about, how about this? We will, um, 
we will reimburse you for the food portion of your stay. You are, seem to be already enjoying yourself. We, we would certainly like to compensate you for this um, very disrespectful food that we have put out here. Um, we do hope you will be able to enjoy the other foods that we have available. And we will, of course, um, remove this food um, from, from sight. Don't you worry. I'll take care of that verbal contract. Is there a tablecloth? Yeah. I'm going to pick up the tablecloth and like a like a big gunny sack just get all of the food I can in this tablecloth set and I'm just gonna start walking back to my room I'm gonna say happy feast day uh, uh to you too and um yeah you hear him saying uh you hear him kind of well I mean yeah I guess do you have is, is there an assessment check I feel like there is an awareness check. Uh, I don't have awareness, so I will just roll with luck, which yeah. would be an eight at this point. Okay. Just putting it, putting it all on luck. <laughs> Six again. Great. So you do hear him whisper, "Make sure to tally whatever he just put in that in that thing. We're going to have to get that money back somehow." <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh. Well, I'm going back to, to yeah. my floor. I so assume you, there you are go, people there. Yeah, you go back to your to your room um, and you do find it. Um, and I guess kind of for the sake of time, unless there's something you had planned, I am eager to hear how you plan to get out of paying for this bill the next day. Oh, I'm going to tell all of the uh, party goers, I'm like, hey, they ran out of shrimp up there. They <laughs> ran out of shrimp and all this other food. I am here. Your friend from the the deepest reaches of ivory space to offer you up, and I'm going to unfurl the horrific mangled mess of all this fine party food that's now going to look like the world's worst ambrosia salad of broken oh beer bottles and cocktail weenies and plates. <laughs> this is a delicacy in my home sphere, so you will not dishonor it. It is... Five shillings a cup. Who wants it? <laughs> you're, so you're selling their food at their establishment? Yes. Oh my god. I'm selling it out of my hotel room on the floor where everybody's going past because they don't have food up there anymore. <laughs> I got like an hour. I can make my, my bill. <laughs> okay, here. um... Why don't you roll one last luck check to see if you successfully managed to make enough money? <laughs> I didn't. I, I rolled a 10 and my luck would be 7. Okay, so that doesn't work out for you. <laughs> you see a number, you know, maybe one person like looks at it and was like, yeah, that makes sense to me. Like, you know, get some food. But everyone else sees like the broken glass mixed in with this food and are very turned off by the idea. I'm going to call them cowards. <laughs> you wouldn't last one minute on the rhinoceros home world. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, unless you, you have any other thoughts, we might just have to leave it on a cliffhanger with... Oh, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure Grum Grendel's going to be washing dishes at the Blanc Mage and Thistle yeah, for the rest Yeah, I of think Grum Grendel's going to be in trouble. But maybe maybe he unionizes, like, in... in honest insincerity after like he's like on the inside of things maybe that's like what's next for him yeah they're probably gonna take his horn <laughs> no i'm just I'm picturing the worst ed just working in the kitchen for the rest of his life 
He's got to work yeah. it off. <laughs> got to work it off. Made a huge scene. Was just the most hypocritical, self-centered, egotistical jerk. But he almost got away with it. If it weren't for the glass Everything of food. That, <laughs> if it weren't for the consequences of his own actions. Mm, if that isn't a story to end on. <laughs> isn't it? Amazing. Um, well, fantastic job RPing um, your first time in a while. Thanks for, yeah. for doing that. Oh, thanks for having me. Oh, goodness gracious. Do you think you'll you'll keep your character, play them again sometime, uh, use them for something? Oh, uh, yeah. Something? I mean, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> if I ever get the chance to play anything again, and then I get someone who wants to run Troika, maybe. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, if you if you decide you want more more Troika and want to come back on gameplay, you are more than welcome to do so. So uh, yeah, you know, might uh, might just do that in the future when I have a few more projects done that aren't aren't under NDA. Oh yeah, that's totally yeah. fair. Um, lots going on. Well, um, yeah. why don't you let our listeners know where they can find you, follow you on the internet? Which sounds actually terrifying now that I say it like that. Where can they find and support you? Um, uh, that they've listened am- to you play. Uh, you can find me on itch.io as goatmansgoblet.itch.io at goatmansgoblet on Twitter. Uh, and that's also goatmansgoblet.com is my long neglected blog. Uh, very long neglected, like probably a year and a half. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, just, you know, Google Raquel Zine or Catlands Jazz Band Gazetteer or other things that people know me for, and you'll be able to find me pretty pretty easily. Great. That's, that's it. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, you know where to go, and um, our listeners know where to go for, for our stuff at this point, so we won't elaborate, but thank you so much for being here to all of our listeners, um, and thanks for being here listening to Gameplay Radio here at Radio Free Brooklyn, um, and take care of you. Well, take care of yourselves and each other. Yes, that's the thing that I say. Um, And we will talk to you next time. Bye.